We proudly present Hollywood. The Radio Theater, starring Victor Moore, Don DeFore, Carly Ruggles, and Gail Storm in It Happened on Fifth Avenue. Ladies and gentlemen, your producer, Mr. William Keeley. from Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen. When I was a struggling young actor in New York, there was no greater thrill to me than a ride on the top of an open Fifth Avenue bus. So I was saddened to hear that they'd been recently replaced. Imagine my joyful surprise the other day to see some of those old friends rumbling down, of all places, Hollywood Boulevard, signaling the release of Roy Del Rue's romantic and delightful comedy. It happened on Fifth Avenue from the studios of Allied Artists. We're fortunate in having with us the original all-star cast. Victor Moore, Don DeFore, Charlie Ruggles, and Gail Storm. Here's act one of It Happened on Fifth Avenue, starring Victor Moore as Aloysius T. McKeever, Don DeFore as Jim Bullock, Charlie Ruggles as Michael O'Connor, and Gail Storm as Trudy. J. O'Connor Mansion on Upper Fifth Avenue is one of the showplaces of New York City. But on this blustery November afternoon, it stands empty, its windows tightly boarded up for the winter. Michael O'Connor is at his plantation in Virginia. His divorced wife is in Florida. And Trudy, their daughter, is at finishing school. Well, uh, let's say that up to two hours ago, Trudy was at finishing school. It's true, Mr. O'Connor. She's run away. Your daughter's run away from school. Well, I won't stand for it, you hear? I want the best detective agency in New York. Tell them to keep in constant touch with me. Uh, yes, sir. The uh, board of directors are waiting, Mr. O'Connor. The building projects, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, let's get it over with. No, wait a minute, wait a minute. Look at this newspaper. Yes, I've already seen it. Sir. Look at this photograph. Evicted veteran calls O'Connor octopus. Yes, sir. To build our office building, we have to tear down that apartment. Before we can tear down that apartment, the tenants have to be evicted. Isn't that simple enough? Yes, sir. Well, next time, no pictures in the paper. You understand? No pictures. Well, while this is going on, while Trudy is running away and building projects are being projected, a rather dumpy, shabbily dressed gentleman furtively slips through the high board fence in back of the O'Connor Fifth Avenue mansion. He lifts up the iron cover of the coal chute and disappears into the O'Connor cellar. One hour later, resplendent in high silk hat, striped trousers, and walking stick, he's strolling leisurely in an adjacent park. Oh, what a wonderful feeling. I've never thought... Oh, good afternoon. Uh, you mind if I share the bench with you? No, but I resent your calling this bench a bench. This happens to be my new home. Your home? Yes, and Michael J. O'Connor is an octopus. A human octopus slowly strangling civilization in his tentacles. He is? Yes. I've been evicted. Michael J. O'Connor has just thrown me out of my apartment. Oh, it's a terrible thing, isn't it, this housing problem? Well, I'd settle for an upholstered, steam-heated gutter. I solved my residential problem years ago. Judging from your clothes, you could afford to. Well, I wouldn't say that. But if you're in trouble and have no place to go, you can be my guest for the night. Oh, no. Thanks a lot, but I'll, uh... I'll manage somehow. Well, it's getting dark. I'll be happy to have you. Well, uh, you know something, Pop? I think maybe I'll take you up at that. Oh, you will? Fine, fine. Uh, it's that lovely house just over there. That? That's your house? Well, let's just say that I live there. 
Well, here, try one of these cigars. Nothing like a good cigar, is it? How do you like your room? Giving me a place to sleep, huh? Passing out cigars, huh? Well, you sneak in the grass, I could break your... I was afraid you'd... Uh... Now, look, when you brought me through that fence, I didn't say anything, did I? I figured you were eccentric. Okay. Or when we came through the servant's entrance, yeah, I didn't but even... I explained the house is boarded up. We had Shut to... up, you. Just tell me what it says here on the silver loving cup. Go on, read it. It says, winner, Newport Yacht Races, Michael J. O'Connor. The great Michael J. O'Connor in person. Well, listen, moneybags. Are you so wrapped up in yacht races you've forgotten as a human race? My boy, much to my regret, you forced me to divulge a secret. I am not Mr. O'Connor. My name is McKeever. Aloysius T. McKeever. McKeever? Well, then where's O'Connor? In Virginia. A place called Bubbling Springs. Ah, it's quite beautiful there. Oh, yeah, but but you're a friend of O'Connor's. Well, let us say Mr. O'Connor is a friend of mine. You see, uh... uh, Jim. Jim Bullock. Yeah, well, you see, Jim, every fall, Mr. O'Connor goes to Virginia. As soon as he leaves here, I move in. It's been a very satisfactory arrangement. Hey, the lights. The lights just went out. Oh. Oh, well, it can't be them. It's too early. It can't be who and who's too early. Never mind. Say, did you say you live here alone? Yes. Well, you've got company. Somebody's coming up the stairs. It's a girl. Oh, I don't understand this at all. I suggest we hide in here. Hide? Yes, please. Look, I don't get this. I'll explain, but later. Later. Gotta hurry, Cootie. Just grab your things and get out of the house. Oh, my mink coat. You've got pretty good taste, haven't you? (gasps) Come on, sister, shed that mink. Who? Who are you? Me? I'm a fur trapper. Come on, give. Get your hands off me. Uh, I, I'd surrender the coat if I were you, young woman. And just what are you two... You get out of here before I call the police. Police? Oh, well, go ahead. There's a phone. Call the police. You bet I will. Uh, uh, just a moment, please. I, I'd better take that telephone. Hey, where are you going with it? Just out in the hall. Jim, I, uh, I think you'd better come with me. Uh, your excuses, miss? Well? What'd you grab that phone for? Jim... I'm afraid we're in no position to let her call the police. Why not? Because the young lady, no matter who she is, has as much right here as we have. Oh, now, look, I don't get this. You're a guest of O'Connor's, aren't you? Well, yes, except Mr. O'Connor doesn't know about her. (laughs) You see, I've never even laid eyes on him. You mean you live here without permission? Uh Uh-huh. But how do you get away with it? Oh, it's not difficult. He never comes back until March 15th. I leave on March 13th. <laughs> it works out very well, Edward. <laughs> Why, you old possum. <laughs> oh, I, I never do any harm. As a matter of fact, I do a lot of good. I dust off the furniture and wind up the clocks. Then you take these clothes I'm wearing. If it weren't for me, they'd be in the closet gathering moths. <laughs> I take a different suit I, every day for a nice airing. But that girl in there, what are we going to do about her? Well, you just leave it to me, Jim. Come on. Young woman, we've decided Please, that... you won't call the police. Oh, I, I know I shouldn't have broken in here, but I'm applying for a job tomorrow. Oh, I... sure, sure. It's true. Here, look, here's the ad. Girl wanted to sell sheet music, apply Times Square Melody Shop. 
Oh, sure. You got to wear a mink coat to work in a music shop. Young lady, don't you know there's a law against breaking into people's houses? Yes, I do. What's your name? Uh, Smith. Trudy Smith. Where do you live, Miss Smith? In, uh, in Dubuque with my 13 brothers and sisters. 14 children? My, my. Neighbors must call your house a star club. Are you sure you... Uh... Hey, hey, the lights again. Oh, dear. Well, that's the gates patrol. They watch the house. Out of sight now, quick. Here we go again. What's going on here? Oh, I can't explain now, Miss Smith. We'll hide in the icebox. Now, you just follow me. It's cold in here. I'm freezing. It takes them about ten minutes for, uh, to look around. Here, here, put on my jacket. Oh, but I... Come on, put it on. Thank you. Now, get as close to me as you can. There. How's that? That's much better, thank you. Hey, hey, hey. We should do this more often. Oh, we will. We will. <laughs> you really should see this icebox with the lights on. It's as big as a barn and just loaded down with wonderful things to eat. Now, look, Pop, exactly what goes on here? The gates patrol. They just stop to see if everything's all right. They were a little early tonight. But, but the blackout. Oh, I'm really quite proud of that. I've arranged a gadget that connects the front door with the main electricity switch. Whenever the front door opens, all the lights go out. But why do we have to hide in the icebox? Well, you may as well know, Trudy. I'm an interloper here, the same as you are. You mean you go through this every night? Oh, you get used to it. In fact, it's kind of fun after a while. Well, we can go out now. They're gone. Now, if you'll wait here a second, I'll throw the switch back on. Ah, there we are. Oh, don't worry. They can't see the lights from the street. All the windows are boarded up. Well, let's defrost. Now, uh, about you, Trudy. I guess we won't call the police after all. Oh, how can I thank you, Mr... Uh, McKeever. Aloysius T. McKeever. And this is Jim Bullock. Let me give you a tip, Miss Smith. New York is no place for a kid without friends. Yes, you better go straight back home. Oh, please. I just can't go back. My father's a terrible drunkard. He's lazy and he beats us. All 14 of you? Every night. Your old man's not lazy. I wouldn't want any girl to go home to a brute like that. I, I suppose you can stay here. Oh, thank you. Uh, just for the night, mind you. Oh. You uh, can sleep in the room where we found you. Be sure to make your bed in the morning. And don't touch anything. I won't. Good night, Trudy. Good night. Good night, Jim. Huh? Oh. Good night. That's the job, Trudy. Well, that's just fine. Thirty dollars a week, Mr. McKeever, and I start tomorrow. And is that Jim in there, Mr. McKeever? Yes, and some friends of his. Oh, I'm being placed in a very awkward position, Trudy. Why? What's the matter? Well, come in. Maybe you can settle this. Well, I'm sure glad you got the job, Trudy. Oh, I'd like to meet, have you meet my friends here. Trudy Smith, Whitey Johnson, and Hank Anderson. Hi, Hi sir. Whitey and Hank were my buddies in the war. Oh, it's Mrs. Anderson and Mrs. Johnson. Hello. Hello. And don't forget the baby. Oh, how can we? Oh, don't cry, darling. It's all right. All right. Well, it's criminal. It's, it's inhuman. What's inhuman? They've been evicted, just like I was. You know where they're living? In a trailer in Flatbush. Oh, now, take it easy, Jim. You can't blame Mr. McKeever. Mac, look, you simply can't turn these people out into the street. Oh, this is really very embarrassing. Well, look, you're O'Connor's guest here. I'm O'Connor's guest here. Okay. We'll all be O'Connor's guests here. Me too? Well, why not, Trudy? There are 43 rooms. Not in my 20 years of living as a guest in other people's homes have I ever been faced with a situation like this. <laughs> Still, we, we can't very well turn children away. Look at them. 
Oh, he's wonderful, Father. He thinks I'm a thief and you're a drunkard and you beat me. He thinks I'm a... Oh, this is fantastic. My goodness. I'll have the police up there in about five minutes. All right, Dad. Call the police. Have it your way. You always do. Oh, Trudy, please. Now, what is it, honey? Can't we talk this over like two sensible people? Why don't you tell me what's troubling you? Dad, I've been terribly unhappy. Ever since you and Mother... Dad, I've been so lonely. That's why I ran away. Ah, I see. Well, what do you want me to do? I want you to meet Jim. All right, I'll meet him. Will? Yes. Oh, darling, thank you. Oh, but not as Michael O'Connor. Well, well, what's wrong with Michael O'Connor? Nothing, but if Jim knew who you really were, well, I'd always be wondering. You're wondering about what? If he were really thinking of me or your bank account. Oh, Trudy, this oh, is... Oh, Dad, please, let me have my way just this once. All right, all right. Now what? Henry? Yes, miss? Drive to the east side, Henry, to one of those second-hand clothing stores. What in the world for? Well, if you're going to be a bum, you'll have to look like one. If I press your bell, for you, for heaven's sake. In a moment, we'll bring you the second act of It Happened on Fifth Avenue, starring Victor Moore, Don DeFore, Charlie Ruggles, and Gail Storm. They say that opportunity knocks but once. Perhaps under certain circumstances, but not where your education is concerned. For you men and women on active duty with the United States Armed Forces have the opportunity to continue your education while serving your country. The United States Armed Forces Institute has been knocking on the door of servicemen for over 20 years. In that time, USAFI has proved conclusively that service personnel who use their off-duty time constructively are more proficient in their military jobs. Ask your education officer about a USAFI course. Here's William Keeley at the microphone. Act two of It Happened on Fifth Avenue, starring Victor Moore as McKeever, Don DeFore as Jim, Charlie Ruggles as O'Connor, and Gail Storm as Trudy. Finkelhoff second-hand clothing store, Mr. Michael J. O'Connor, second richest man in the world, stands aghast in front of a dilapidated mirror, while Mr. Finkelhoff proudly surveys his handiwork. Well, there you are, mister. Twelve dollars for everything. And already you look good. Oh, shut up. I'm not going to look at me. Truly look at me. Just look at me. I look like a tramp. Darling, that was the idea. And here, here, a fine derby hat. Hardly faded. Compliments of the house. Oh, Trudy, this is positively outrageous. A baby hat coming maybe from the head of a duke. <laughs> all right, all right. Give it to me. Give it to me. Twelve dollars, huh? Uh, less ten percent discount. In keeping with the policy maybe from the White House. Well, never mind that. Now tell me, how much will you allow me for my suit there? Uh, well, six dollars. Six dollars? Uh, your suit is all wool, maybe? Why, certainly it's all wool. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> wool is bad? Uh, mister, look. When the moths are hearing I got here an all wool suit, one moth tells another. They're coming for a banquet. They're bringing their friends. Pretty soon I got here a moth convention. A spray gun I got to buy. DTT I got to buy. Long, I'm staying in spring. I'm not coming home. My wife, she's getting mad. She's packing her bags and going to Reno. She's getting for me a divorce. What am I getting? Custody of the moth. Alimony 
why I'm paying. Payments I'm missing. To jail I'm going. My business I'm losing. I'm a bum. All because you are bringing in here an all-wool suit. Now, you understand everything, Father? Yeah. You're to sit on the bench here in the park until we walk past. Yeah. Then I'll notice how awful you look, and I'll suggest to Mr. McKeever... Yeah, that, that you invite me to my own house. Exactly. Oh. Now, don't worry, darling. I'll try not to be too long. You see, Dad? I told you Mr. McKeever would invite you to live with us. Everything's working out fine. Now... How did you like Jim? Well, I haven't made up my mind yet. I'm I'm going up to my room. Oh, no, Dad. Mr. McKeever told you to wait here in the hall. He'll tell you where you can sleep later. Well, whose house is this? Now, sit down. What are all those clotheslines doing here? Is this my house or a laundry? Are those diapers? Oh, naturally. You see, the baby has... The baby? The baby? Come and get it, Mike. You come and get what? Food, darling. Now, shh. I told Mr. McKeever you were starving. Here we come, Mr. McKeever. Well, Mike, like I told you in the park, we can't have every bum in New York living here. But I suppose one more won't matter. Oh, well, thank you. So just make yourself right at home. Yes, I'll try. That's, uh, that's a mighty nice lounging robe you're wearing there. Oh, yes. Yes, pure silk. I noticed the braid work on the cuffs. Tim, maybe I'll let you wear it sometime. Of course, I, I wouldn't think of depriving you. Uh, that cigar smells pretty good, too. Yeah, well, I uh, might let you smoke one after dinner. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. Well, come sit down, Mike. Go what? ahead, dig in. No, I, I'd better not. I Don't you like bologna? All I want is milk and crackers. Milk and crackers? Oh, speaking of milk, Trudy, don't forget the baby's bottle. <gasps> oh, my goodness, it's way past his feeding time. <laughs> Look at her run, Mike. Great little mother, isn't she? She is great. Now, what about my... Did you say mother? Baby? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Trudy, Trudy, wait a minute. Mike, where are you going? I'm going crazy. Trudy, wait a minute. Trudy. What on earth is the matter with you, father? I'm trying to give the baby his bottle. Trudy, I simply have to talk with you. Uh, just look at this angel. You know, he's got dimples exactly like yours. Now, now, Trudy, I'm, I'm going to try to be very, very calm. What's done is done. I consent to your marriage. Then you liked him. Oh, Dad, I knew but you But just were. tell me one thing. How did all this happen? Well, I guess it happened in the icebox. <laughs> in the icebox? We were hiding there from the gate's patrol. It was cold, and Jim put his arm around me. Mr. McKeever was there, too. McKeever? <laughs> He wanted to send me away afterwards, but later he said I could stay. He's really very nice. Yes, he must be. You like Jim better, too, when you get to know him. Yeah, well, I doubt it. But if you're married, well, then you're married, and I... Dad, I... we're not married. You're not married. I don't even know if he wants to marry. If he wants to... Oh, my goodness. Oh, my... What kind of a man is he? I'll kill him. I'll fill him with my bear. Well, hello. Well, come in, Alice. Uh, meet Mike. Well, how do you do? And just who do you think you are? How do you do? What's the matter with him? I wish I knew. You wish you knew? Please calm down, Mike. Well, Alice, how was Washington? Oh, a madhouse. How did you enjoy playing nursemaid? 
crackers if you didn't have ulcers. And you wouldn't have ulcers if you watched that temper of yours. Uh, any more suggestions? Oh, now look what you've done. Milk all over the tablecloth. I'm very sorry. Oh, you're terribly sloppy, Mike, aren't you? You'll have to be more orderly or you can't stay. Under the circumstances, you better make your sleeping quarters in the servants' hall. Sam sleeps there, too. Sam? You mean there's someone else living here I haven't met? Sam is my dog. You... He barks at 7 a.m., so let him out in the yard, and I won't have to get up so early then. Are those orders? For a while, until you prove yourself a little more cooperative. Ah, well, in that case, good night. Good night, Mike. How you doing, Mike? And you can mind your own business, too. Mm, rather what a character. Well, Mac, you want to hear what happened in Washington? Go ahead, Whitey. Tell him. Well, briefly, Mr. McKeever, the government is willing to sell Camp Kilson, but there's a catch. Yeah, there always is. Mm -hmm. They've already had an offer of $150,000. You know who from? That bloated billionaire Michael J. O'Connor. What does he want with that property? Hasn't he got enough? Well, the thing for you to do, boys, is raise O'Connor's bed. Offer the government $160,000. Uh, well, are we going to get $160,000? Well, there's no harm in making an offer. If they accept, then it's time to worry about where you're going to get the money. <laughs> the essence of big business, gentlemen, is never put one worry ahead of another. Well, if you'll excuse me, I'd better take Sam for a walk. Operator! 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 I was connected with... Yeah, hello, 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 Farrell. Well, certainly this is Mr. O'Connor. No, no, I'm not kidnapped. No, I'm in town. In an icebox. I can't tell you where. Now listen, wire Wickersham. And tell him I'll take six million for that West Coast chain and not a cent less. Right. Now, is Phillips back from Washington? Well, why isn't he back? Well, all right. Tell him I'll call him sometime tomorrow. Meanwhile... Come out of the icebox, Mike. Yeah. Look at him, Jim. If you insist on using the phone in the icebox, Mike, I suggest you wear an overcoat. Yes, sir. We know it's a great temptation, but you must simply learn to control it. Control what? Well, this playing at being a millionaire. We heard you. Just because you're living in a millionaire's house, don't let it get you. Uh, maybe I am a millionaire. Oh. oh, all right, Mike. You're a millionaire. And since you decided not to go to bed, you've got a million dishes to wash. Come on, this way, Mike. <laughs> Are you awake? Certainly I'm awake. Oh, am I and where am I supposed to sleep? In the bed, of course. I can't. The dog is sleeping in the bed. He won't let me get near it. Washing ditches. A ballot to a dog. He barks at seven and I have to take him for a promenade. And as for that Mr. McBeetle who smokes my cigars and wears my best clothes and drinks my brandy, he's leaving this house in the morning. But, Dad, you promised... They'll all be out in 24 hours or I'll have them locked up for vacancy and trespassing. Oh, Dad. You heard me. 24 hours. Yes, a straight telegram, please, to Mrs. Mary O'Connor, Royal Palms Hotel, Palm Beach, Florida. Dear Mother, please fly New York at once. We'll contact you at Waldorf Towers. Terribly urgent. Love, Trudy. 
whole story, Mother. Well, I wouldn't have sent for you, but I... I just didn't know what to do. Well, darling, I haven't seen your father in four years. But I think I know just how to cope with this situation. How? Your household will just have to make room for one more guest. Mother, you? Why not? And don't worry, Judy. I won't give anything away. Oh, Mother, you're an angel. to talk to you again. Mike. You didn't know what have I done. You just came in the front door. Now, rule number one is never use that front door. Uh, well, I forgot. Where'd you get the key? I, uh, <clears throat> well, I found it this morning when I was scrubbing the floor. Well, come on. Hand it over. I'll do no such... <clears throat> Here. Thank you. Well, mm, what's that I smell? What's what? You know, I, I, I smell something cooking. Slumgullion. Slumgullion? Yes, it's a kind of an Irish stew. As a matter of fact, it was on account of Slumgullion that I fell in love. Well, it must be quite a dish. Yes, she certainly was. Uh, my wife... <laughs> my wife made the finest Slumgullion in New York. By George, that is Slumgullion. Yeah, it could be. We've got a cook now. Go on out in the kitchen and meet her. Well, who cares about the cook? I want to meet that Slumgullion. Ah, Slumgullion. Taste familiar? Uh, Mary. Hello, Michael. Well, well. May I ask, what are you doing here? I'm here for the same reason you are. Trudy wanted me to meet Jim. Oh, and have you had that extreme pleasure? I have. And I found him to be everything Trudy said he was. Oh, indeed. You've taken on a little weight, haven't you? In the wrong places, I might add. It seems close. And you're no Van Johnson yourself. I can remember when you had only two tins. Well, let me tell you... Stop shushing me. We're going to dispose of this nonsense once and for all. Imagine our 18-year-old child wanting to marry this... You bitch. married me when I was 17. And look what happened to us. <laughs> Mary, I resent your being here. And Trudy belongs in school, and that's where she's going. Oh, Trudy's in love. And she wants to win Jim the hard way, not with your money. Instead of admiring her for it, you're fighting her. Just as you've always battled anyone who wouldn't bend to your stubbornness. Yeah. You just haven't the courage to see this through. Oh, I haven't. That's huh? what I said. I can stick this out just as long as you can. Longer, do you hear? Longer. This I'll have to see. And get away from that slum gullion before I pour it down your neck. We'll return with Act Three of It Happened on Fifth Avenue, starring Victor Moore, John DeFore, Charlie Ruggles, and Gail Storm. If you think the life of an average congressman in Washington is rather glamorous, consider the typical schedule of a present-day senator. He's up by 7 o'clock, skims the congressional record, reads the Washington Post with breakfast. 8 o'clock, off to work. En route, he reads the New York Times and often dictates a letter or two before arriving at the office at 8.30. The Philadelphia Inquirer is waiting to be read along with testimony to be presented at committee hearings. Nine o'clock, staff meeting, with discussions of forthcoming speeches. As many as three simultaneous committee meetings are often scheduled for 10 a.m., and our congressmen will shuttle between them all. Lunch with reporters, constituents, or other congressmen. After lunch, maybe a short nap in his private office. Then to the Senate floor for a speech, some debate, and the offering of amendments. 
Radio, TV, or other press interviews will last until 5 o'clock, with paperwork and hometown politicians obligating him until 6.30. After an embassy dinner, there may be nothing more to do until it all begins anew tomorrow. Back now to your producer, William Keeley. Act three of It Happened on Fifth Avenue, starring Victor Moore as McKeever, Don DeFore as Jim, Charlie Ruggles as O'Connor, and Gail Storm as Trudy. Well, with Trudy's mother joining Mr. McKeever's household, it appears that the entire O'Connor family is once again residing in the O'Connor mansion. Now in the kitchen, Trudy stands helplessly by as her parents exchange a few uh, affectionate remarks. I'll give you just three days, Mary O'Connor, three days over these pots and pans, and you'll be slinking back to Palm Beach so fast. Now I'll tell you a thing or two. You might as well realize right now that this house isn't big enough for the both of us. All right. When are you leaving? Hey, hey. Hey, what goes on here? Oh, they've been having a little argument, Jim, but it's all over. Well, look, take it easy, Mike. You know good cooks are hard to find. Anything you want him to do, Mary? Yes, he can peel these potatoes. Oh, before I peel potatoes, I'll... Yo, what? Uh, I'll get a chair and sit down. <laughs> well, that's better. Well, Trudy, Trudy, it's happened. Great news. Well, tell me, what? Well, Whitey and Hank got over 200 of the boys together, and they're all raring to go. We're putting up an average of 500 bucks apiece. Jim, you'll be able to buy the property. And I just called on the Wheeler Construction Company. They may even put up the rest of the money we need. I'm going to see him again on Friday. And if we have any luck... Hello. Hello, Farrell? Yeah, it's me. Listen, do we still own Wheeler Construction? Good. Now, a fellow named Jim Bullock is seeing Wheeler on Friday. He has some half-baked idea about model houses or something. He's to get routine number six, you understand? Well, make sure Wheeler understands. Now, how are we doing on that Camp Kilson deal? Well, why don't you know who's bidding against us? All right, all right. But I want that property. Oh, and if you need cash, transfer a couple of million from Chicago. Oh, uh, Mike? Yeah, I'll call you later. I caught you again, Mike. <laughs> Playing millionaire in the icebox. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. McKeever. I just can't seem to break the habit. I know you have millions and millions of dollars hanging in the balance. But, Mike, you didn't make your bed this morning. <laughs> Hamburgers I've ever eaten. Mm. You suppose I could have a little more, Mac? Well, pass your plate, Mike. What about your milk and cracker diet? Well, my stomach feels a lot better. Well, that proves what I've always believed. When a man's happy, he could eat nails. You know, I wonder if the O'Connors were as happy in this house as we are. Well, from what I hear, they're the snarled uppest people in the world. Oh, well, what makes you say that? Well, take Mr. O'Connor. They tell me he's one of the worst-tempered tyrants in the United States. <laughs> Well, well. I understand uh, Mrs. O'Connor is no bargain either. <laughs> Spends most of her time trying not to admit she's middle-aged. <laughs> Suppose we talk about something else, hmm? Well, Mike, you had enough to eat? Oh, yes, yes, I feel fine. Good, then there'll be no excuses. Hey, excuses? Yeah, for going to work. You see, when I lived here alone, what I ate from Mr. O'Connor's larder was never missed. But now, well, we've got to start feeding ourselves. I figure you and I can get jobs shoveling snow. Are you serious? Now, let me tell you something. Neither you nor any other man is going to make me do manual labor, and that's final. There's a shovel in the garage, Mike. I'll get it. Oh. Uh, well, I, I 
must admit, Mike, for a man who wasn't going to do manual labor, you're doing fine. Yeah, well, where have you been? Oh, I've been working hard. I've been lining up another job for you. <laughs> the parking lot across the street. Yeah, now, listen, you... And now I, I'd like to do something else for you. Uh, I should help. I, I know what. I'll see if I can find you a bigger shovel. <laughs> Mike. Well, have a hard day? Oh, no, no, no. I just shoveled off half of Manhattan, that's all. Uh, tell me, Jim, how did, you, how did you make out with Wheeler Construction? Well, they turned down a housing proposition, but they did offer me a job, 12000 a year in Bolivia. Yeah, well, when are, you, uh, when are you leaving? Are you kidding? Why would I want to go to Bolivia? Besides, I'd, I'd have to be single. Oh, well. Oh, now, look, Mike. I couldn't leave Trudy. And all those fellas, why, why, they're counting on me. Uh, Jim, just what is this big idea you think so important? The government's selling Camp Kilson and they're trying to buy it. You... Camp Kilson? Well, what's wrong with that? Uh, oh, nothing, nothing, nothing at all. We huh? thought we could get it cheap, but some drip has bid us up to nearly $200,000. Oh, well, tomorrow's another day. Yeah, well, don't remind me of it. I'll have to shovel snow again. Eh? <laughs> I'm going to find the liniment. All right, Michael. If you can shovel snow, I guess I can rub your back. Oh, thanks, Mary. Uh, down a little further, Mary, will you? Oh, there? Ah, oh, that's it, that's it. Uh, you remember, Mary, the first time you rubbed my back, huh? <laughs> I was a bricklayer then, wasn't I? Uh, we had lots of fun in those days, didn't we, Mary? Yes, you had lots of muscles. <laughs> now look at you. Flabby than old seed. Oh, flabby. I'm just going to Mary, Mike. But she's just rubbing my back. Mike, I must ask you to go to your room at once. Yeah, now just a minute, you. Go to your room. I'll talk to you in the morning, Mary. Good morning, Mr. McKeever. Good morning, Mary. Morning, Mike. I hope you don't think I was being a bit stuffy about last night, only... You must remember, there are young people in the house. Oh, Mary was merely rubbing my back. Well, not that I'm opposed to a man and woman falling in love, but... Falling in love? You too. Why, the minute you saw each other. And why not? It's never too late. Now you take Mike. He's a nice enough fellow, but what has he made of himself? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> what you both need is responsibility. Whatever you do... Don't end up like me. You know, if I were a younger man, I might be asking Mary to marry me. Well, think it over. You know, Mary, he's he's right. Is he, Michael? Why? Why do you think I've been hanging around here, submitting to to all this, only because you're here, Mary? Why, Michael, you've changed. It's. It's almost like old times again. And I'm going to change even more, Mary. I promise. Good evening, Michael. Have another hard day shoveling snow? Oh, Mary, my back is broken. So are the hearts of 200 families. Huh? Yeah, what are you talking about? What I read in the evening papers. Michael J. O'Connor adds Camp Kilson to Empire. Uh, you knew Jim and his friends were trying to get that property, didn't you? No, I... Uh, <clears throat> well, yes, I did. But not until it was too late. It's still not too late. 
what a nice Christmas present Camp Kilson would be for Jim and Trudy and the rest. Oh, Mary, that idea of theirs, it's nonsensical. It'll make an awful lot of people happy. You never could understand that business and sentiment... Oh, look, Mary, let's not even talk about it. Is Trudy home yet? She's out with Jim. What, again? He has a lot to talk over with her. Not that you're interested. Oh, now, Mary, I... I was wrong, Michael. You haven't changed, and you never will. Never. I know you're disappointed, but O'Connor's got Camp Kilson, and I've got to get a job. So I'll have to go to Bolivia. You must have decided in an awful hurry. Well, it's not forever, Trudy. Just a year or so. That's a long time, Jim. Okay, okay, then. Maybe you better not wait. Maybe I shouldn't. Well, just promise me when I'm gone, you won't start breaking into people's houses again. Then what if I hadn't? I might never have met you. You'd be better off. Would I? Maybe you're right. I know I'm right. Then you can go straight to Bolivia and stay there. You hear me? Stay there. Olivia, Mother. He's taking that job. Well, maybe it's all for the best, Trudy. Yes, of course it is. Trudy, did you say Wheeler Construction Company? Yes. And they want only single men? That's what Jim says. Well, that's strange. In fact, it's ridiculous. I just remembered. Your father owns that company. Dad. Uh, well, all right, all right. We'll forget about Bolivia. Michael, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. I'm leaving here tomorrow. Trudy will be going with me. Yes. You'll have this whole house to yourself again. Mary. I hope you'll be very happy. Uh, yeah, I just can't understand it, Mike. I can't understand it. Oh, don't tell me you were in the dumps, too, McKeever. Jim going to Bolivia, Mary and Trudy leaving, Hank and Whitey looking for apartments again. You know, Mike, I think I'll spend the rest of the winter somewhere else. Well, why? What's wrong with this place? Well, since Jim and the boys lost their big chance, all the happiness that filled this old house is gone. It's like a morgue. I was looking over the old Guggenhoff place this afternoon. The Guggenhoff place? Why, that doesn't compare with this. Mike, a house, any house, is only what its occupants make it. Well, I think I'll make some coffee and eat a caviar sandwich. Oh, hello, Jim. Hiya, Max. Uh, Jim. Oh, Mike. Jim, uh, <clears throat> you don't want to go to Bolivia. Why not? Well, uh, perhaps if you had a talk with O'Connor, you wouldn't have to go to Bolivia. O'Connor? Yeah. Now, how are you going to talk to that old octopus if you can't even see him? Well, uh, maybe you can see him. I have a friend who works in his office building, see? He's head janitor there, and believe it or not, O'Connor thinks an awful lot of, uh, of old Charlie. Oh, now, wait a minute, Mike. I hope you don't mind, Jim, but I asked Charlie to ask Mr. O'Connor to give you an appointment. And guess what? He'll see you in one hour. Mike, have you been playing millionaire on the phone again? No, 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 I know what I'm saying, Jim. Oh, don't pass up this chance. Okay, Mike, okay. It won't be the first office I've been thrown out of. Hello? Hello, Farrell? Yes, yeah, send my car for me right away. I'm coming to the office. 
No, 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 not to the house, you idiot. The park. Yeah, and I'll be waiting in the park. Hurry. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I know this is a silly question, but may I see Mr. Octopus? Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Mr. O'Connor. Uh, my name's Mr. Bullock. Oh, yes, Mr. Bullock. Mr. O'Connor's expecting you. Hmm? His office is straight ahead. Take another wire to Anderson. I thought I told you to transfer the cash off uh, that cash to our Paris account. Can I leave for five minutes without things going haywire? Send two million immediately. Mike, what in the name of... Uh, sit down, Jim. I'm using the dictaphone. Have lawyers phone San Francisco immediately. If those lumber contracts aren't signed tomorrow, the deal is off. Mike, you nuts. Stop playing millionaire. Get away from O'Connor's desk. Send a cable to London. Canadian holdings for sale. Price is still 12 million. So long, Mike. I'm going to get a doctor. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I, I beg your pardon, sir. Uh, here are the Camp Kilson uh, papers, Mr. O'Connor. If you need me, I'll be in the outer office, sir. Did, did... did he say... O'Connor? Well, why not? That's my name. But, uh, but he... Here, now, don't start popping questions. I haven't time. Jim, I'm transferring Camp Kilson to you and Hank and Whitey. Here are the papers. But there's one thing you must do for me. Oh, right. Not one word of this must ever reach McKeever. As far as he's concerned, I'm still just a uh, panhandler. <laughs> Is that clear? I... I think so. <laughs> yeah, you were right, Farrell. Bring in the water. He's painted. <laughs> I've never done this before, folks, but I think the occasion was a bottle of Mr. O'Connor's best champagne. Now, if everyone will please take a glass. Now, this toast is to Mike. To Mike, who saved the day. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Thanks, Mike. Well, I, I'm glad I was able to be of service. And even though Mac here chooses to think of me as a drifter, a panhandler, and a man of little principle. Uh, water under the bridge, Mike. Please try to forget that I ever said it. Mac, it's already forgotten. Well, it's too bad we have to leave here. But since Mr. O'Connor told Jim that he's coming back to his house and... Since I've already made arrangements at the Guggenhoff Mansion, perhaps it's all for the best. Our paths may never cross again, but it's wonderful to know that you've all been my friends. For to be without friends is a very serious form of poverty. Mac, look, Trudy and I are going to be married, and I thought Oh, that... that's fine. That's just fine. A double wedding, Mac. Mike and I are getting married, too. And what Jim means is that we're going to have plenty of room and you can stay with us. Oh, but Mike and I were hoping you'd come with us. Well, how about it, Mac? Well, thanks. Thanks to all of you, but you have your own lives to lead, and I... Well, it's a little too late for me to change. Besides, I may decide to go down to Virginia. <laughs> There's a lovely house in Bubbling Springs. It's Mr. O'Connor's place. When he comes back here, I usually go down there. <laughs> well, I'll see you all in the morning. I, I better take a walk with Sam. I well, Mac, we're all out of the house. I... Hey, Mac. Hey, Mac, where are you going? Uh, through the fence here, Jim. Same way I came in. <laughs> well, I guess we'd all better leave that way, huh? Well, perhaps we shouldn't all leave at once. Jim, uh, Trudy, you go first. Goodbye, Mr. McKeever. Goodbye, dear. I hope you'll be very happy. Thank you. Mac, I'll never forget you. Good luck. Oh, thank you, Jim. 
My, they're a nice couple, aren't they, Mary? Mm. Oh, my God, I nearly forgot. Mike, in case you've no place to spend your honeymoon, here are the keys to the Vandevetter mansion there in Europe. <laughs> well, well, thanks, Mac, thanks. And, uh, Mary, if he doesn't treat you right, you come back and report to me. I'll be here again next November 3rd. That's a date, Mac. Well, goodbye, Mary. Goodbye, Mike. Come on, Sam. That's a good old dog. Come on, we'll be on our way. You know, Mary, there are richer men than I. Michael. Mary, remind me to nail up the boards in this fence, will you? Next November, he's coming through the front door. Goodbye. Aloysius T. McKeever to solve the housing shortage in his own inimitable way and turn our attention to tonight's stars as they are in real life. Victor Moore, Don DeFore, Charlie Ruggles, and Gail Storm. You know, I didn't see you four at the premiere. Oh, we were there, Bill, but we may have been a little late. You see, Bill, we all rode to the premiere in one of those displaced Fifth Avenue buses that you mentioned earlier. And something went wrong? Well, <laughs> the way it was coughing and wheezing, I think the climate must have got it. Besides, you can tell it wasn't used to California traffic. How so, Gail? It stopped for pedestrians. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it saw a sign pointing to Riverside Drive, it turned around and went looking for Grand Saloon. <laughs> <laughs> but we finally figured out what was the matter. We were on the upper deck. And? Uh, no driver up there. <laughs> Good night. Good, Good night. night. And thanks night. to another four-star hit. This is William Keeley saying good night to you from Hollywood. Forces Radio and Television Service. The Danny K Show. It's the Danny Kay Show with Eve Arden, Lionel Stander, yours truly, Ken Niles, and the outstanding music of America's top band, Harry James and his music makers. <laughs> now for your entertainment, we present the amazingly amusing talents of the one and only Danny Kay. <laughs> Today is the day our hero, Danny Kaye, gets back from his happy and hectic trip to New York. 
Harry James, the orchestra boys, and myself are all down here at the Los Angeles Union Station waiting for Danny's train to come in. Ken, are you sure Danny's on the Super Chief? Well, Harry, just to check up, I'll ask the station master. Oh, uh, pardon me, sir. Have you any idea if Danny K is on the Super Chief? Is Danny K on the Super Chief? Is Danny K on the Super Chief? Just listen to this wire I got from the conductor. Quote, to make run over mountains, we hooked pusher engine on the rear of the train. Somehow, a fellow named Danny K got into the cab of this engine. The front engine pulled the train west. At the same time, K put the rear engine in reverse and pulled the train east. Arriving on track four, a long, thin, super cave. <laughs> yeah, Danny's on the train, all right. Well, we miss you too, Harry. Gosh, Evie, isn't it wonderful to come back after a long journey and have your friends welcome you with open arms? Yeah. It's really friendship. It touches me right here. I, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. I'm overcome. I, I'm overjoyed. You're overacting too. <laughs> Oh, Harry, uh, before I forget, I uh, brought you a present from New York. Here, open it up. Mm. Gee, thanks. Just what I always wanted. An autographed picture of Benny Goodman. <laughs> I knew you'd like it, Harry. Well, I've got a little present for you, too, Danny. Here, open it up. Oh, gee, thanks. Just what I've always wanted. An autographed picture of Sammy Kay. <laughs> Uh, excuse me, Mr. K. I'm a reporter. Oh, 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 a reporter? Yes, I'm peeling from the Pasadena Sun. That's too bad. Why don't you move to Pomona? <laughs> now, Mr. K, about your New York trip, anything interesting happened? Oh, of course. Plenty, plenty interesting, especially on the way back. I uh, made my notes in my diary. Uh, if you like, I'll read them to you. Oh, fine. Yeah, let's see. Uh, uh, we left New York on Wednesday. That's uh, Monday, Tuesday. Oh, yeah, Wednesday. Here it is. Dear Diary, Evie and I went over to Grand Central Station and boarded the train for Hollywood. Now, just as we were getting Evie's baggage safely into a compartment, Evie said... Danny, I don't have any change. Would you take care of the tips for my baggage? Oh, sure, honey. How much do you usually tip a porter? Quarter for each bag. Honey. Okay. Here you are, Sam. Thank you, sir. Here you are, Henry. Thank you, sir. Here you are, Eddie. Thank you, sir. Here, Joe. Uh, thank you, sir. Frank. Thank you. Charlie. Thank you. John. Frank. <laughs> Tom. Uh, thank you. Fred. Thank you. Terry. Thank you, sir. Joe. Thank you. Well, thank you, sir. Oscar? Oh, thank you. How did he get in here? Well, anyhow, I'm glad I'm traveling light this trip. <laughs> well, with Evie and her 33 fine pieces of baggage, I proceeded to my car. I was just making myself comfortable when the conductor came in. Hey, Mr. K, I hate to disturb you, but all the space on the train has been taken. Would you mind sharing your compartment with another gentleman to Chicago? Oh, why, not at all, sir, not at all. Tell him to come right in and uh, uh, make thank himself you. at home. Thank you, Mr. K. This way, sir. <clears throat> I thank you too much, conductor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do you know about that if it isn't my own vocal oh. teacher, Professor Tortoni? Well, this is a surprise, it certainly is. is. <laughs> my boy, my prize of purple and dangy <laughs> Oh, it is a great honor to let you share your compartment with me. Are you? If I? 
I understand you had a little trouble finding some space on the train, Professor. Oh, right, yeah. You see, when I got on a board, all I'm gonna have is a ticket for a seat in the cooch. <laughs> the cooch? Right, yeah. So I'm speak to the conduct, and he's giving me a compart in the pulamina. <laughs> the pulamina? Oh, sure. And you know, look, a pulamina is a cooch where you pull down the ceiling, push him up at the bottom of the seat, and out comes Bertha. Uh, Danger K, Danger K, do I make myself hard to understand? Not at all, Professor, not at all. You confuse me very easily. <laughs> well, we've got a long ride to Chicago, Professor, so we'd better get some sleep, huh? Uh, which birth would you like, the uh, upper or the lower? I'm your guest. You take the upper. <laughs> No, oh, I insist. You take the upper. I'm a sister, too. You take the upper. <laughs> I'll tell you what we'll do. Eh? We'll uh, toss a coin to see who sleeps in the low, huh? Mm. Go ahead, toss the coin. No, you toss the coin. No, you toss it. No, you toss it. Mm. What, what, what we'll do? do? Eh? We'll cut high card to see who tosses the coin to see who sleeps in the lower. Eh? Go ahead, cut the cards. No, you cut the cards. <laughs> you cut them. No, you cut them. Tell you what we'll do. <laughs> draw straws. The man who draws the long straw cuts the cards to see who tosses the coin to see who sleeps in the lower. Go ahead, draw a straw. No, you draw a straw. <laughs> you draw. No, you draw. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll roll dice. The man with the highest roll draws the straw to see who cuts the cards to see who tosses the coin to see who sleeps in the lower. Go ahead, roll the dice. No, you roll the dice. <laughs> no, you roll. Uh-uh, no, you roll. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what we'll do. Yeah. We'll match numbers on the bills, on dollar bills. The man with the highest number rolls the dice to see who draws the straw to see who cuts the cards to see who tosses the coin to see who sleeps in the lower. Now, go ahead, read the numbers on your dollar. No, you read the number. Oh, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll get it. Chicago, last stop, all Thursday. Dear Diary, didn't get any sleep since New York. Was too busy tossing coins, cutting cards, rolling dice, and drawing straws all night long. Well, when the train stopped at Kansas City, I got out and walked up front towards the engine, you know. And the engineer, a big, strong hulk of a man, said, Hello. Oh, hello. Are you the engineer of the Super Chief? That's me. Casey Jellison. <laughs> Casey Jellison. Well, how nice. Have you been an engineer very long? Oh, sure. I worked on a lot of roads. The New York Central, the Pennsylvania, the B&O, the CNN, and the LS and MFT. I don't... <laughs> the LS and MFT? What road is that? That's the tobacco road. <laughs> do, do you know anything about railroads? Do I know anything about railroads? <laughs> My good man, you're talking to Cowcatcher K, the engineer of the old cannonball. You mean the old, old cannonball? I mean the old, old, old cannonball. K, 
Cannonball is running great, trying to make connections with the nickel plate and then the nickel plate's running fine, trying to make connections with the old Sioux line and then the old Sioux line keeps to the rail, trying to make connections with the a Royal Mail and then the Royal Mail, trying to see all oh, the ashes in Topeka and a Santa Fe and then the Santa Fe, nothing flow, trying to keep up with the BNO, the BNO runs like a fountain, trying to make connections with the Iron Mountain, then the Iron Mountain is really terrific, trying to keep up with the Southern Pacific, the old B, running like well, trying to make connections with the M and St. L. The M and St. L, I must confess, is trying to keep up with the Hartford Express. The Hartford Express is going insane, oh, trying to make connections with the Boston and Maine, and then the Boston and Maine, and meet them all, trying to make connections with the Cannonball, and then the Cannonball, running fine, trying to make connections with that old For further reports of his thrilling train trip from New York, let's turn another page of Danny's Diary. Friday. Dear Diary. <laughs> Funny thing happened to Eve this morning. <laughs> I wish I could remember it. <laughs> she had a slight encounter with a club car wolf. Now, Evie was sitting in the club car playing solitaire when... Let's see now. The red jack goes on the black queen, the black eight on the red nine, and as long as nobody's looking, I'll sneak the ace of spades out of the pack. Now, the red queen... Hello, beautiful. Going to California? Possibly. Now, the black ten goes on the red jack... Oh, red... uh, playing solitaire, huh? Yes. And let's keep it that way. Now, the red nine... Uh, traveling alone? No, the rest of the train is going with me. <laughs> Quite a sense of humor. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's what I like about train travel. Just think, a moment ago we were perfect strangers. That was perfect, wasn't it? <laughs> is this guy corny? I bet the next thing he'll say is, you look lonesome, beautiful. You look lonesome, beautiful. <laughs> Bingo. You know, you look kind of familiar to me. Oh, no. <laughs> this guy will set wolfing back 20 years. <laughs> I, uh, I bet we have some mutual friends, too. Mm. Do you know Charlie Johnson of Seattle? Charlie Johnson? Uh-huh. You mean good old Charlie Johnson? Yeah. Never heard of him. <laughs> now crawl back into the woodwork and finish your dinner, termite. Oh, no offense, beautiful. You know, sometimes I unconsciously say the wrong thing. I'm beginning to think I'm my own worst enemy. Not while I'm alive, you're not. <laughs> what a sense of humor. <laughs> say, uh... This air conditioning is uh, making it kind of chilly in here, huh? Uh, let me put my arm around you and protect your little neck from the draft. There. Ouch! What's the matter? You stuck me with your chicken inspector's badge. <laughs> Say, uh, beautiful, has anyone ever told you you ought to be in pictures? Well, people have said that I resemble Eve Arden. Eve Arden? Uh-huh. Why, she looks all right on the screen, but you ever seen her in person? She's nothing but a tall, skinny bag of bones. Why, you... Uh, hello, Evie. Uh, Eve? Certainly, this is Miss Eve Arden. Eve Arden? Yes, my railroad Romeo. And now, have you anything else to say to this tall, skinny bag of bones? Yes. What? Uh, may I have your autograph? Oh. 
Danny, before we examine the next entry in your daring diary, Harry James and his music makers have a few musical footnotes to add. Here is their own distinctive arrangement of the very thought of you. entry in your diary, Danny. Well, since you're peeking over my shoulder, Kenneth Niles, you might as well read it. Okay. Dear... Okay, okay. Dear diary, this is Phil Friday, and Eve Arden is certainly having a busy day. She was sitting in the lounge car, still trying to finish her game of solitaire, when a little boy walked up to her and said, Hello, beautiful. Going to California? Hmm. <laughs> well, well. A dehydrated wolf. <laughs> What's your name, little boy? My name is Daniel QPK. I'm five and a half years old. <laughs> would you would you like a light a, a bite of my lollipop? Why, yes, thank you. 
Oh, no, no, not that side, Mom. This side. Why? What difference does it make? Because <laughs> this is the side that fell on the floor. <laughs> I want you to lick off the bug germs. Bug germs? Yes. I don't see anything. Oh, you can only see the bugs with the microscope. <laughs> the bugs are invisible. <laughs> invisible. She don't hear very good. <laughs> Well, make yourself invisible and let me finish this game of solitaire. I don't mind. Go on now. <laughs> I want to stay right here and read my book. Oh, a book? What is it? Little Red Riding Hood? Oh, no. Well, what is it? Ever Amber. Ever Amber? Here, let me have that book. Oh, no. You're too young. <laughs> now, put that book away, and I'll tell you a nice, sweet story. Okay. All right. Oh, that's what I'll do. I'll climb up on your lap, and I'll snuggle up real close. This kid is older than he looks. <laughs> <laughs> now, what kind of a story would you like to hear? Oh, my kind of story. I wouldn't like to hear a story about an animal. I love animals. I once went to the circus, and I saw a rhinoceros, rhinoceros, costume, and the rock, and then I saw an and then I saw a hippo on top of the amnifer. All right, I'll tell you a story about animals. Animals. Once upon a time... You know, we have a dog in hell. His name is Sport, but we call him Brownie because he's black. <laughs> now, that's silly. Besides, you shouldn't fib about your dog. He's not a dog. He's a cat. <laughs> Your dog is a cat? Yes. Because his name is Sport and we call him Brownie because he's black. <laughs> I'd like to get a look at him. Oh, you can't do that. He's gone. He died and went to horsey heaven. Now, why should a dog that's really a cat die and go to horsey heaven? Because <laughs> his name is Sport and we call him Brownie because he's black. <laughs> Look, little boy, why don't you go away? <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, tickets, uh, tickets, please. Have your tickets ready. Here's mine, conductor. Thank you. Now, what about your little boy? My little boy? I'm not this boy's mother. You're not? No, you may not believe this, Mr. Conductor, but her and I is on our honeymoon. <laughs> oh, now, come now. Why should a pretty girl like her marry a little boy like you? For my money. <laughs> Conductor, any resemblance between this little boy and myself is purely coincidental. <laughs> now, go away, little boy. Go away. Don't holler at me. I'm very sensitive. <laughs> Besides, I, I'm just getting over being sick. Oh, I'm sorry. What was wrong with you? Well, first I had the chicken coop. <laughs> Then I got the weasel. And after that, the bump. And now, now I got the hookup. I got him for my sister. Oh, your sister has the hiccups. Oh, no, she's a little girl. She has the she cups. Well, are they doing anything for her? Oh, yes, yes. The doctors, the, the doctors sticked her with sulfonilamin in. 
And and then 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 they gave her penicillin and Now look, Sonny boy, don't bother me. Now never mind the mum and them. and them. Why don't they be a nice quiet boy and just look out the window? Go ahead now, look out the window. Okay, we'll do, Roger. Oh, boy. Oh, look at the swing. It's going so fast. Oh, and we're guiding by the countryside. Look at all those teflon poles going by. <laughs> Whee! 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 That was two of them together. <laughs> oh, oh, look, look. What now, oh, little oh, man? Oh, we're going around the turn, and oh, oh, there's a cow standing on the track in front of the locomotive. Oh, oh, oh you better look out. Oh. oh, my goodness. What happened to the poor cow? One Danny, that brings your diary up to date, doesn't it? Well, not quite, Kenneth. You see, when I came home, I found a lot of interesting mail. So many nice people said so many nice things. And adding up their requests, I got in touch with Harry James, and we immediately started rehearsing Minnie the Moocher. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Now, for this song, if you all remember, we need a great deal of help. Now, as I will sing the phrase, I expect you to unleash your golden throats and sing back with me. We'll have a lot of fun. All right, Harry, let's take it away. Folks, here's a story of Minnie the Moocher, a regular gal with a solid future. She was the sweetest and the neatest frail, but Minnie had a heart as big as a whale. Hidey, 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 Hoo-dee-hoo-dee-hoo Hoo-dee-hoo-dee-hoo Hee-dee-hee 
cab now and go home. Taxi? Uh, oh, taxi! Hey, hey, well, wait a minute, Benji K. I'm going home too, and it will give you great honor to let me share your taxi with you. Is it? Do you? <laughs> All right, Professor Tortoni. I'll be very happy to have you in my taxi. You uh, get in first. No, you first. <laughs> no, you first. No, you first. <laughs> I'll tell you what we'll do. <laughs> we'll walk. Good night. Uh, hello, fellas. <laughs> this is Danny Kay. 
Now, look, uh, if you fellas would pick up a pencil or, or a pen and, uh, well, I, I mean, uh, well, why don't you drop a line to, uh, no, that isn't what I meant. Look, why don't you sit down and, gee, I, here's what I mean, fellas, listen. Gentlemen, the Railroad Hour. And here comes our star-studded show train. Tonight, the Association of American Railroads presents the premiere of a new musical play by Lawrence and Lee, Starlight. Starring Gordon McRae and his charming guest, Lucille Norman. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. Yes, tonight another musical first is brought to you, transcribed by the American Railroads. The same railroads that bring you most of the food you eat, the clothes you wear, the fuel you burn, and all the other things you use in your daily life. And now, here is our star, Gordon McRae. Thank you, Marvin. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, Lucille Norman and I are bringing you a memory of the days of vaudeville. Lucy is Helen Harris, and I'm a singing hoofer named Harry McKay. And here is Starlight. Do you remember Miss Harris? Absolutely, Mr. McKay. Uh-huh. Remember how they did it at the palace? When you and I were new and you were day, you saw the greatest troopers in the USA, unless a lady's hat was in the way. Now all the guys were gallant at the palace, and all the gals were glamorous and gay. We always had a picnic at the palace, before the movie thirty two a day. Yes, Miss Harris. Were there any big people born in your hometown? No big people, only babies. Dance it, Helen. Now for the trick turn. Good girl. 
I think we better stop, Miss Harris. I'm a little stiff from dancing. I don't care where you're from. Keep moving. <laughs> Remember how we did it at the palace. The music used to give you such a thrill. They hung a little sign so every Jack and Jill could recognize the people on the bill. Now everybody took a second on court And even then you never got your fill Remember how they did it at the palace In the olden, golden days of Bonneville well, Baby, we finally played the palace We're in the big time Yes, Harry. What's the matter, honey? What are you so glum about? What more could a couple of hoofers ask for? Nothing, Harry. It's all I've ever wanted. Say, put your right arm out a little more as you make the trick turn, huh? That always kills them. Anything you say, Harry. There's our cue. Grab my arm, baby. Here we go. When you wore a tulip, a sweet yellow tulip, When you caress me, twas then heaven bless me, what a blessing, no one knows. You made life cheery, when you called me dearie, twas down where the bluegrass rose. Good girl, your lips were sweeter than julep, when you wore a tulip, and I wore a big red rose. Harry, there's something I've got to tell you. Later, honey. we got to do an encore. Sidestep back on. You ready? I guess so. Smile, baby. This is a happy number. What would you say if I asked you to wait another year? Oh, don't, dear. No, I won't, dear. My heart's jumping up and down. What would you say if I should run away, away from you? Oh, don't, dear. No, I won't, dear. Love's but a spell, so poets tell. Spell a little love for me. When we are M-A-Double-R-I-E-D-H-A-Double-P-Y, we'll be. I'm going to be you, why you'll see a nice little H-O-U-S-E. We'll have a B-A-B-Y boy and a G-I-R-L too. When I'm in The act's never been better than it was tonight. You're a great showman, Harry. We're a great team, Helen. Hey, there's something you started to tell me during the act. What was it? Harry. Oh, Harry, I don't know how to say it. Well, talk it out, kid. What's bothering you? Harry, I want to quit the act. Quit the act? 
Right when we're hitting the top? Well, can you think of a better time? But why? You gotta have a reason. I want to get married. Married? I didn't even know you were in love with anybody. I have been for a long time. Yeah? Well, who's the lucky guy? Somebody been hanging around the stage door, sending you flowers and candy and all that stuff? No. This character never sent me a thing. But I'm in love with him. I have been for years and years. And I have a feeling I will be for the rest of my life. Who is he? You, you silly baboon. Me? Me? Helen, why didn't you say something before? Well, it's the fellow's place to do the asking. But you were always so busy figuring out how we'd get out of playing Perkasie, Pennsylvania, and Mound City, South Dakota, that you never thought of me. It's perfect. We'll never have to break up the team. <sighs> Wait a minute. What'd we call ourselves? The McKays? Ah, it doesn't sound good. Nobody will ever know who has top billing. Harry, when we get married, I want to give up show business. Settle down and make a home for us. We won't have to live out of theater trunks and paper suitcases and Honey, all Honey, the... what about the act? Well, you'll be great as a single, Harry. And you always had a hankering to go on and knock them dead all by yourself. Well, I'm not saying I couldn't do it. Well, sure you can. Harry McKay, headliner. <laughs> Darling. Oh, gee, honey, it's great of you to beat me at the station at a quarter to three in the morning. I wouldn't miss it. How's it going? Oh, not bad. Harrisburg was a little slow. I caught the first train after I got off. And next week, Arthur booked me right back here. Honey, the palace. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, no, it's uh, Newark. But it's right across the river. Harry, something's wrong. Oh, honey, there was 20 people in the house tonight. Well, it's not you, Harry. The whole vaudeville business is kind of shaky. Well, now, don't you worry your little head about it. You know where I want to go, Harry? Over to Broadway. I just want to walk. What, at this time of the morning? Sure. Grab my arm, partner. Just like in the act. Broadway. Look at it. Yeah. Come here. Where are you taking me? It's my favorite spot in New York. A place I used to come to whenever I had the blues, Harry. I never knew you were ever sad, Helen. All the time, mister, until I married you. <laughs> right, Turn? Hey, Schubert Alley. There's an old saying that if Broadway has a heart, it's somewhere under this pavement. Gee, look at all those posters. All the three sheets. Oh, these are the greats, honey. I don't know why, Harry. But late at night and early in the morning, these posters almost seem to come alive. Look. Lauren Ziegfeld proudly presents Miss Marilyn Miller in Sunny by Jerome Kern, Otto Harbach, and Oscar Hammerstein II with Jack Donahue, Cliff Edwards, Clifton Webb. Oh, golly. And here's the poster for the Winter Garden Show. Makes you feel like getting down on one knee, doesn't it, honey? Morning, Joey. Swanee, how I love you, how I love you, my dear old Swanee. The folks up north will see me no more when I go to the Swanee Show. 
one. Ah, I guess if I had my choice of being anybody else in the world, it'd be Faye Templeton. For it is Mary, Mary, plain as any name can be. Yeah. Of course, you'd have a pretty tough choice choosing between her and her. The Follies present... Here, here's who I'd be, Mr. Show Business himself. George M. Cohan, what a guy. Tell all the gang at 42nd Street that I will soon be there. Makes you feel like the whole street is singing. Whisper of how I'm yearning to mingle with the old time Give me a shot in the arm. But you don't have to tell me. Show business ain't never gonna die. Operator? Operator, you ready with my long-distance call in New York? Hello? Good morning, Helen. It's Harry. Harry? Where are you calling from? Perkesy, Pennsylvania. Arthur booked me here. Now, it ain't bad, baby. It ain't bad. I'm just breaking in the new act. Now, Harry, don't be discouraged. Where are you booked after that? Well, uh... Well, tell me, Harry. Elyria, Ohio, next week. Then Waterloo, Indiana. And then Mound City, South Dakota. Honey, listen to me. Everybody's talking about what a big thing radio's going to be. And you know... Huh? You know, Harry, wireless. With the earphones. Oh, you're kidding, baby. It's a fad, a plaything. The whole thing will blow over in three months. You'd be great on it, Harry. They're looking for talent. Oh, Helen. Remember the old saying, one picture is worth a thousand words? Well, on that wireless thingamajig, they'd only be getting one thousandth of me. Why, nobody'd see my famous trick turn. But you got to keep up with the times, Harry. Oh, honey, radio will never last. Everybody says it's bad for the ears. What I really call up was to say that I love you. Even in Perkesy, Pennsylvania, I love you. Harry. My wonderful one, whenever I'm dreaming, love's love light gleaming, I see. I gotta say goodbye now, honey. Bye, Harry. Happy Perkesy. Happy Illyria. Happy Mound City, South Dakota. I gotta do something. What am I gonna do? Hey, I wrote that number down someplace. Yeah, yeah, here it is. Hello? Give me circle 7200. May I speak to the man in charge of new talent, please? The who? The program director. Well, well, I guess he'll do. Hello? Well, this is Helen... I mean, this is Miss Ruth DeLille. The... Well, you can call me 
the Sunshine Girl. Turn for the second act of Starlight in just a moment. With the political conventions behind us and presidential candidates for both our major parties selected, all of us will be turning our attention more and more to the forthcoming elections this fall. For then, with our votes, we'll have the opportunity to choose the leaders of our government. And just as we have the freedom to select the leaders of our nation, so too do we have the freedom to choose what goods and services we buy and use every day. For in our free enterprise system, every time we buy something, we cast a ballot that expresses our preference for one among many competing products, brands, or services. In the field of transportation, for example, such a choice is made by thousands of shippers every day. For every time a farmer, a producer, or a manufacturer ships anything, he votes for the one form of transportation that will do the best job for him and for you. Among the important things he must consider in making his choice are the dependability, efficiency, cost, and range of services offered. Here's the result. According to the latest tabulations of the Interstate Commerce Commission, the railroads last year hauled more tons of freight, more miles, than all other forms of transportation put together. In fact, they performed nearly five times as much intercity transportation service as all the motor trucks of the country. And there's a reason why the railroads are America's favorite form of transportation. It's this. Only the railroads can and do serve all the people, all the time, with unparalleled economy, moving all kinds of freight in all seasons and in all parts of the country, at charges which average less than one and a half cents for carrying a ton a mile. It's no wonder, then, that year after year, the railroads are re-elected America's number one transportation service. Now here is Act Two of the new Lawrence and Lee play with music, Starlight, starring Gordon MacRae as Harry McKay and Lucille Norman as Helen. <laughs> Dear Helen, just a line to let you know that I'm killing them in Kalamazoo. All my love, Harry. Now everybody took a second on course, and even then you never got your fear. Dear Helen, business is boff in Butte, Montana. In the old and golden days of Ready to go on for your number, Mr. McKay? Ah, uh, sure. How's the house? One old lady with an ear trumpet, a bum fast asleep and snoring, and 12 large spiders. Well, you can't always play to packed houses, Sam. Stand aside, will you? I'm going to give that old lady a good time, wake up the bum, and give those spiders the show of their life. Everybody loves a baby, that's why I'm in love with you, pretty baby. Pretty baby, 
And I'd like to be your sister, brother, dad, and mother, too. Pretty baby, pretty baby, won't you come and let me rock you in my cradle of love? And we'll cuddle all the while. Oh, I want love, baby, and it might as well be you. Pretty baby of mine. Well, the old lady liked me. Did you see her face light up when I did that trick turn? Ladies and gentlemen, our closing act tonight is the closing act of our vaudeville policy here in Sedalia, Missouri's finest theater. Next week, Pola Negri in passion. Now, Harry McKay. All I got to say is Pola Negri's going to have a tough act to follow. Somebody loves me. I wonder who. I wonder who she can be. Somebody loves me. I wish I knew. Who can she be worries me. For every girl who passes me, I shout, hey, maybe you were meant to be my loving baby. Somebody loves me, I wonder who, maybe it's you. Leave your dressing room keys. Don't know what we're going to use them for, but leave them. What you got there, Pop? Gramophone? Awful funny horn for a gramophone. Oh, no, sir, Mr. McKay. This is one of them newfangled radios. Oh? What happened to the cat's whisker and the earphones? Oh, say, they got this here perfected. Super heterodyne or something like that. Works off an A and B batteries. Why, on clear nights, I can get as far as KDK, Pittsburgh, and KFI in Los Angeles. And guess what this here is right now? I can't imagine. New York City. Never thought I'd live to see the day. Ain't even got a wire hookup anyplace. And now, the sunshine girl, Ruth DeLeo. I thought this gadget didn't give out anything but weather reports and setting up exercises. Yeah, they're beginning to send out pretty things. Like this here, Ruth DeLeo. Pretty? That's beautiful.
Excuse me, sir. You demonstrate radio sets here? Oh, yes, sir. Now, here's the latest model. Works off a storage battery, mind you. It picks up Schenectady as clear as my wife talking to me. Uh, I happen to notice it's just time for a certain program coming from New York. Bet you can't pick up WEAF in this set. I uh, can so clear as crystal. This set's dirt cheap, too, mister. I love him in the morning and I love him at night. I love him, yes, I love him when the stars are shining bright. I love him in the springtime and I love him in the fall. But last night on the back porch, I loved him best of all. Well, that's all for tonight from your sunshine girl, yours truly, Ruth DeLille. Now stay tuned for Billy Jones and Ernie Hare. That's all I wanted to hear. I guess I was a little late. Hey, don't you want to buy the set, mister? No, but for the first time in my life, I'm going to write somebody a fan letter. Fan mail for today, Mr. Lil. Big stack again. Oh, that's wonderful. My goodness, there's a letter from Florida. And one from Maine. And one from... Oh, golly. One with a very familiar handwriting. My dear Mr. Lil, once in a lifetime, a man hears a voice like yours. Keep singing. Sincerely, Harry McKay. Oh... My dear Mr. McKay, it is strange that you should write to me, for I have long been a fan of yours. When you were playing the palace with that strikingly beautiful partner, I never missed a single performance. When you get to New York, why don't you drop in at the station to see me? A man of your talents belongs in this exciting new medium. Excuse the typing, warmest regards, Ruth DeLille. Well, what do you know? Dear Miss DeLille, I'm coming to New York in a few days, and I appreciate your offer. But I must tell you in all frankness that I am not a headliner anymore. I am strictly playing the sticks. Oh, Harry. Harry. Mr. McKay? Yes? Miss DeLille will see you now. She has a couple of minutes before she goes on the air. Thank you. In here? Yes, Studio A. Miss DeLille, I... Harry, Harry. Helen. You're not mad at me, are you? Mad? Honey. I had to do something. Oh, Harry. Oh, I should have known that voice couldn't belong to just anybody. You know what radio needs, Harry? A team. A husband and wife. Because, Harry, most of the married people listening are husbands and wives. Oh, and... honey, you're as crazy as you always were. I always knew you had big-time blood in your veins, though. But we got to do it together, Harry. Nah, nah, Helen. I'm a sight act. People got to see me. Take that turn, that trick Harry, turn. keep on doing it on radio every time you do a number that calls for it. But why? Well, maybe someday they'll be seeing us, too, and we got to be ready. You're on the air in ten seconds, Mr. Leo. Come here, Harry. Sit alongside me on the piano bench. Well, if you say so, honey. Good evening, radio fans. This is Ruth DeLille, or it was Ruth DeLille, because tonight I'm going to tell you my real name. It's Helen Harris, Mrs. Harry McKay, 
And from now on, you'll be hearing the team of McKay and Harris. Here we go, Mr. McKay. I'm right alongside of you, Miss Harris. Lucille Norman will be back in just a moment. And meanwhile, our sincere thanks to Ben Weldon, Tyler McVeigh, and to our entire company. Tonight's new play with music was written especially for the Railroad Hour by Lawrence and Lee. The Railroad Hour is brought to you each week at the same time by the American Railroads. Today and every day is election day for the people who produce most everything we eat, wear, buy, and use. For they elect from among competing forms of transportation, the best one for shipping their products. And year after year, the railroads are overwhelmingly chosen to do the vast bulk of that tremendously important job, assuring you of the very best in efficient, economical, and dependable transportation service. Well, Lucille, you were really big time tonight. Well, thank you, Gordon. It was real fun recalling the days of vaudeville and early radio. But I wish the audience could have seen that trick turn of yours. Yeah. <laughs> All it really amounted to, Lucille, was a Warner Brothers about face. <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice if I could work in a plug for Carson City that easily? <laughs> well, what's on the show train next week, Gordon? Well, Lucille, a brand new operetta based on the famous love story of Elizabeth Barrett and Robert Browning. Our maestro, Carmen Dragon, has written some really wonderful new music. And Dorothy Warren Show will be here for the premiere. Wouldn't miss it. Good night, Gordon. Good night, Lucy. You were wonderful. All aboard! Well, folks, it looks as though we're ready to pull out, and so until next Monday night, and our new operator, the Brownings, Bruce is Gordon McRae saying good night. was transcribed in Hollywood. Gordon McRae can be seen starring in Warner Brothers' About Face. Our choir is under the direction of Norman Luboff, and our music is prepared and conducted by Carmen Dragon. This is Marvin Miller saying goodbye until next week for the American Railroads. Now stay tuned for your Monday night of music on NBC. Here's a reminder that United States defense bonds now offer a higher interest rate and shorter maturity. Invest regularly and systematically in defense bonds. Remember, they're now even better. Stay tuned for more fine music on the Telephone Hour on NBC.